telling you, Johnny, that the reason why you're like that third slave in that biblical parable was like, so, okay, so Jesus gives this, he gives, first of all, this is not a religious podcast, but it's tangentially related to what we're talking about right before. So I gave Johnny a few minutes to think about what kind of stuff he wanted to talk about. I went to the restroom, got some a drink, came back, and Johnny was like, I got nothing. And then I'm like, Johnny, how did you waste all that time with nothing? It was like 30 seconds. It was more than 30 seconds. It was like at least two minutes. Okay. And uh, and so the parable goes, Jesus is talking to, I forgot who he's talking to. He tells, he gives a story of this, I don't know if it's like a rich guy, it's a rich guy or something, right? He has three slaves. Mm-hmm. He gives each of his slaves varying amounts of talent. Talents is like the money, right? He's like, go invest these so that when I come back, I'll get a nice return on my investment. And they're like, okay. So he leaves. We don't know for how long. He comes back. The The first slave's like, hey, like you gave me 15 talents. I don't, I don't know if it was 15 or not. And I invested it and I made a deal. And now I have 20 talents for you. So he got like a nice return on his investment, right? The second slave is like, I went to invest the 10 you gave me. And now he got 12. So I got two talents. And then the third guy's like, all right, all right. He's like, he's like, all right, so what would you, what'd you, what'd you invest? I gave you one talent. What'd you do with it? He's like, I buried it. Mm-hmm. And the master's like, why did you bury it? And then the third guy is like, well, I didn't want to lose any money. And I was scared of losing your money. So I just hit it. And so like, I didn't gain any money, but I also didn't lose any money. And so then the master gets really pissed off at this guy. And he's like, you who like I gave you and you did nothing with what I gave you. Like leave, like you're fired or whatever. And to those who like invested, I'm going to double in your investment for you to keep. So the guy who got like 20 or whatever, he gets an extra 20 to keep for himself and so on. Anyways, the whole parable. Okay, what do you think the lesson is for the parable? I want to see if you can understand what it is. I want to see if you're going to take it for face value or you're going to look at it symbolically. Well, face value, it's just telling them to do something with the assets that they have. Right. Good. Very good. Yeah. And then there's a deeper, something yes. deeper to this? Yes. There's a spiritual message behind it, really. Oh, uh, what is it? It's basically like, if it's basically to kind of like spread and spread like the, the not the gospel I'm looking for. It's like to preach, basically. Mm-hmm. Where like you receive this information, you receive like this, like go forth and spread it. And like the third guy was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just not, I'm just going to sit on the information I have. But what if he made an attempt to invest? Because in that, in that example, he just decided like, no, nah, I'm not going to do anything with this. Right. Because mm-hmm. your assignment was like, hey, John, like, what do you want to open it with? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. And I was thinking about Horizon, right? And thinking about the war and all that stuff. But I gave you two, <laughs> I gave you two minutes, Charney. You couldn't give me like 30 seconds of an opener. I could not. And for that, you have failed me, have and failed. I'm going to dismiss you. And starting next week, we're going to look for a new second host. That's what's going to happen now. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just kidding. Or am I? Welcome to the DualSense podcast, a non-religious, non-financial, non-preachy podcast. This is a podcast about video games, video game news. Oh, we preach. What do we preach, Sean? Horizon. Oh, that's right. We are we are we are prophets of the Forbidden West. Ooh, that's a great band that's name. That's a good one. That's prophets good one. of the Forbidden West. That's a we need to copyright that band name or movie or whatever that title is. I am your host, as always, Andrew Roscoe, joined by the Badger of the High Desert, 
the self-proclaimed lost cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one, here's Johnny. Oh, what's up? Not much, Johnny, not much. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Asking. I'm all right. I see spring has not arrived to your garden yet, has it? No, not yet. A couple you, things are, are popping up, but I need to... I did see some flowers out there. Yeah, so. I need to put some, some uh, seeds down, but I'm waiting for the frost to come through. Do you expect like another like flurry of snow or something? I might slow snow a little bit, but not a whole lot. Not like a few years past, but um, I remember that one year. I'll never forget it. 14 years ago, actually. Was it 14? Yeah. Uh, there was so much fucking snow. We were supposed to go to Mexico, right? Uh, I don't know what we were supposed to do, but there was about three feet of snow yeah. on top of the cars. That was 14 years that ago. That was wild, dude. I can't believe that was 14 years ago. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Time goes by super fast. Yeah, we were supposed to drive down to Mexico for that one wedding. Was it 13? It was the winter of 2008, I want to say. I remember because that's when I was playing Fallout 3 because Fallout 3 had just come out. And that was 2008. I mean, it hasn't snowed like that since, but no. was it that red truck that was in front of the house? Yes. Damn. Yeah. That was somebody else's. It wasn't ours, but I know which one you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. I have that picture, too. It was a pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot whose it was, but it's not. Yeah. I think it was the neighbors. I'm not sure. Anyway, so Johnny's getting ready for gardening season. I, I too, am getting ready for gardening season. I haven't gone to buy the stuff yet. I, I, I too, am waiting for like the last like licks of the winter. And then when spring officially, when does, is halfway through March, right? Is that when spring starts? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to start, you know, getting my green thumb out there. All right, Johnny, we have a couple of stories. So this is, this is a strange week for us. It's a strange week for the whole world, actually. Last two weeks have been really weird. I think weird might be an understatement. They've been, it's been very dire out there. We have six stories. I'm just going to tell you right now, four of them are Ukrainian related because we are the video game industry is a global one, and this is one of those one of those instances where that we're at a nexus cross. We call it a crossroad kind of thing where world stuff has an influence on video game stuff. So, Johnny, I want you to meet me at the crossroads. Crossroads. <laughs> Did you get that reference? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Bone thugs. Boom! 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 Tell me what's it gonna be, or something like that. All right, first story comes from Way of IGN, written by Ryan Dinsdale. I like that name, Dinsdale. It's like the name of like a nice like all-American town, Dinsdale. Defiant Stalker 2 developer says game development will continue, quote, after the victory, end quote, in Ukraine. Very optimistic outlook, I would say, Johnny. Editors note, the war in Ukraine is an ongoing, painful, and emotive topic. IGN urges community members to be respectful when engaging in conversation around the subject and does not endorse harassment of any kind. So you got to get, you know, those disclaimers out of the way. Kiev-based Stalker 2 developer GSC Game World has defiantly said that development on the game will continue after Ukraine's victory over Russia in the ongoing war. In a video uploaded to GSC's YouTube channel titled Lights, Camera, War, The studio explained how its world had been turned upside down due to the Russian invasion. Captions in the video read, The previous week we were editing the video about our motion capture studio. We wanted to show how the cutscenes were created, took time to watch the videos, write scripts, and speak with actors. The previous week was ages ago. 
On the 24th of February, Russia declared war on Ukraine and sent rockets, tanks, and soldiers to our homeland. Our country is forced to fight for its existence again. Now we are striving to help our employees and their families to survive. The game development shifted to the sidelines, but we will definitely continue after the victory. Glory to Ukraine. End quote. GSC pr- previously called for support from fans in the industry and asked people to send funds to the Ukrainian army. It comes as many in the games industry have thrown support behind Ukraine after Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a full-scale invasion into the country. 11-Bit Studios, GOG, Raw Fury, Bungie, CD Projekt Red, Beetlewing, Wargaming, and other developers, publishers, and gaming influencers have donated money to charities helping Ukrainian civilians and refugees. Ukraine has also officially called upon Xbox, PlayStation. We're going to get into that story in a little bit. We're not there yet. But yeah, there's okay. So I'm gonna end the article right there. So Stalker Two, Johnny, as we kind of maybe mentioned once or twice before, it was due for the end of this year, in like in the fall or or winter. Clearly, that's not gonna happen anymore. I mean, the game's gonna happen. It's just not gonna meet that deadline, right? Because well, the studio's home country is literally being invaded right now by uh, Russia. So. That sucks. That's an understatement, right? Saying that that sucks. Um, this is the first time I ever... I mean, we're usually used to like, oh, because of the pandemic or COVID or like the working from home situation. But this is the first time I've heard of a studio saying like, oh, no, we're at war. We can't. <laughs> there's a, there's more pressing matters in game development. Uh, what do you think about this, Johnny? Do you have any comment or do you think... Do you have any thoughts at all about this particular story? Not the stuff outside of it, but this particular story. No, I really don't. I'm not on this one. No? No, it's just cool that people are supporting. They're donating to to feed people in Ukraine. But aside from that, I, I don't... This is weird. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where, like... It's so weird for me as somebody who, like, I'm on Twitter or on Facebook, whatever. And because of, like, the circles, you know, that I'm in or that I participate in, mm-hmm. I could be scrolling and see, like, somebody's talking about Elden Ring or Horizon one second. And the next second, like, it's like, oh, I just escaped. I just fled to Poland. Like, I left my, you know, my belongings and everything back home. And it's like, I know I, I talked about this earlier this week when I was on the, on the None of Our Business podcast. I kind of talked about this, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's so weird seeing, like, the footage of what's going on over there. And, like, it looks like a movie sometimes where, like, you see, like, helicopters, like, roaming you see like a city skyline and smoke in the distance. And it's like so weird seeing that in a very like suburban. I'm not sure if that's right. Urban? Which one's urban? That's the city one, right? I yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. Suburbs yeah. is like where you and I live kind of thing, right? Suburbs are like Tarzana. Like the outer edges of the outskirts of a city, right? Yeah. It's so weird seeing like that kind of footage. And to think like these people are who like normally are probably just busting their backs like trying to make a video game and it's like... You know, video game development is, like, hard enough, and now it's like, oh, yeah, now we have to literally fight for our survival, or at least the survival of the continuation of our country. And that's very grim. It would think, what's that saying about um, those who, I don't want to go with the cliche, those who don't study history, repeat it one, but, like, after all these years of existence of civilization, and I use that term very loosely here, like we still have not figured out a way to kind of just exist without having to get in each other's way and when i say each other i mean like humans so 
not sure where I'm going with that, but I just, it's just kind of distressing to think that like we're in this situation, not we're in the situation, right? But that we, that there is people who are in these situations where they're just trying to get home to their families, put food on the table, do their job. And now like all that's just interrupted. Like you have no idea like what's going to happen to your bank account, what's going to happen to your property, all like the traditional, like on the, was it Maslow's here? Was it t- the tier of like the Maslow's higher grave needs? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Like, what's the first one? It's like security, right? I think the first one's like like a like home or security, right? The highest one? No, no. The, or is it food? The highest one would be. Um, oh goddamn! Because like you need that you're talking about is like shelter, food, right? Defecation, and then after all that stuff, then you can focus on like non-important things, right? Yeah. After all those needs have been met, right? Yeah, the very top one I think is self-actualization. Is that like freedom or is it? Uh, or is that like, I don't recall what that is. There's like, after a stage of learning, there's like spirituality and then you transcend into yeah, a higher level. But that, that stuff comes after you're not trying to survive. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the first one is for surviving though. Is it just food or safety? Maybe I think it's food and, and shelter. Okay. So those are, okay. So their needs, their tier of needs is like back to basic, like Mm-hmm. survival mode again right like they're not even thinking about their stuff so the, the fact that they have time to be like hey guys we're going to show you some stuff but now we have to put a pause on that because now we're fighting for our lives and stuff like it's grim it's really grim out there so i just wanted to bring light to this topic and yeah uh that's the first of our articles now the end of the story reference the next one which i'm just gonna parallel park into not sure that's the right term i'm just gonna slide into it and it's another ign article this one says ukraine calls on xbox playstation and quote all game development companies end quote to block russia support this article comes from joe scribbles who as we've mentioned before on ign is not a uh, actual person i think it's just like a pseudonym that they write under and Ed- okay editor's note is the same from last time like be respectful all right ukraine's deputy prime minister you probably know how to spell this better, Rihanna. Mikhailo? Mikhailo? M-Y-K-H-A-I-L-O? Mikhailo Fedorov has called on, quote, all game development companies and esports platforms, end quote, to temporarily stop support for Russia and Belarus and directed an open letter to Xbox and PlayStation in particular. On his Twitter account, Fedorov tagged Xbox and PlayStation, writing, quote, you are definitely aware of what is happening in Ukraine right now. Russia declare war not for Ukraine, but for all civilized world. If you support human values, you should live... Well, hold on. Sick. So when you put sick, it's kind of like, 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 like it's not spelled right. or like a typo. You should blank the Russian market. End quote. The open letter calls for companies to temporarily block all Russian and Belarusian... Belarusian? Belarusian, maybe? Accounts temporarily stop... The participation participation of Russian and Belarusian teams and gamers in all international esports events and cancel all international events holding on the territory of Russia and Belarus. While not explicitly mentioned, Fedorov has likely included Belarus in the request because of its tacit support of Russia's invasion. I was about to ask you, Johnny, what Belarus had anything to do with this, but thankfully the IGN article kind of addressed that. Since the beginning of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, many parts of the games industry have thrown their support behind Ukraine, including a number of fundraising efforts for humanitarian organizations. However, while we've seen platformer Little Orpheus delayed due to its Soviet-related storyline, 
We've not yet heard about unrelated games being pulled from release in Russia. That stands in contrast to the film industry, which has seen Disney, Sony Pictures, and Warner Brothers pull movies from release in that country. We've contacted Microsoft, Sony Interactive Entertainment, and Nintendo for comment on the open letter. You can read Fedorov's letter in full below. Uh, do we have time to read that, Johnny? Do you want to read the letter or no? It's a letter from who? This Fedorov fellow, the deputy prime minister of the Ukraine. I don't see why not. What all right, it's it? like three paragraphs, not that long. Uh, it says, Ukraine's open letter to the games industry. It says, to all game development companies and esports platforms, the Russian Federation has carried out a deceptive and outrageous military attack on my country. Just imagine, in 2022, cruise missiles attack residential neighborhoods, kindergartens, and hospitals in the heart of Europe. The armed forces and citizens are defending Ukraine to the end. The whole world is repelling the aggressor through the imposition of sanctions. The enemy must suffer significant losses, but we need your support. In 2022, modern technology is perhaps the best answer to the tanks, multiple rocket launchers, and missiles. I am sure that you will not only hear, but also do everything to protect Ukraine, Europe, and finally the entire democratic world from bloody authoritarian aggression. And I appeal to temporarily block all Russian and Belarusian accounts. Temporarily stop the participation of Russian and Belarusian teams and gamers in all international esports events and cancel all international events holding on the territory of Russia and Belarus. We are sure that such actions will motivate the citizens of Russia to proactively stop the disgraceful military aggression. Yours sincerely, Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine, Minister Mikhailo Fedorov. All right. One of these things uh, that stands out is his assurance that these actions will motivate the citizens of Russia to practically stop the disgraceful military aggression, his words. Um, there's already people like protesting in Moscow and like Russia is infamous for cracking down on dissidents. So I'm not sure if they're going to any more motivated already or if they're already going to like start cracking down on them to the point where like this isn't going to really, I feel like this isn't going to do much. The protests in Russia. No, this call that 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 by stopping esports and games and stuff that that's gonna yeah that's what I was that's all like my my brain is focusing on like it's like what harm is it gonna do but is it really doing anything is it like I mean, is that is, really the, like is that gonna be the thing that cr- that breaks the their back you know the I mean? only thing I could think of it doing is just bring awareness to the situation right to all the gamers yeah. and if maybe the gamers know what's going on have a better idea of what's going on in ukraine right. they might try to step up and say you know what maybe we should send them some food so in a way so. it might help them but maybe but the action itself doesn't really do a whole lot yeah except for awareness yeah because i'm thinking like the average person who in russia would benefit or like is into games or esports whatever like, are they really going to do anything different than they would have before this? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you're trying to actualize a particular part of the population that probably is not as effective or as recept- recept- receptive. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. So there's a ton, a ton of little angles. Like, for example, maybe you have Russians out there that are just like, yeah, they got a war going on. None. I don't give a fuck, right? They're, we can't stop it. But... right. What if they start feeling pressure? Like, there could be people at home that are just gaming or just right. watching TV. But if those distractions go away, they might focus on the actual war. I see what and you mean. And then they might get tired and start getting like, fucking prices are getting higher. 
I had like there's no distractions, so people are gonna start like directing their frustrations Aggression. towards the, go- the government. You know, okay, that could be a thing. Maybe, maybe I'm guessing. I mean, it, so is, everything is like indirect, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but this is like one of those situations where I could see it going either way. Where one, yeah, give me not- that. nothing really happens because uh-huh. like the people who are affected by this particular stuff are just gonna be like. Well, this sucks. This makes me like dislike the West even more, kind of thing, right? Like, it, like a backfire kind of thing. Or two, it might push those people to take their frustrations on the government. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like the government would just crack down even further on dissidents. For sure, yeah. So it's like I don't think they they would be pissed off at the West because I you think I'm pretty it? sure they can tell that Russia's the aggressor. Okay, right. I, I don't know. I, I've been watching Russian media. I haven't watched RT in a while, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Although I, I'm curious to see what would the RT angle be on all this stuff. I have to. I'm curious now. Yeah, yeah. Um. So what else do we have going on? Oh, okay. Well, what do you think about that, Johnny? Do you think is it is it is it upon Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo to do something about this? Do you think they? I feel like for the most part when it comes to gaming companies like developers and studios, they're pretty res- like receptive to global affairs and issues, especially when it affects like their bottom dollar. But I'm curious, do you think Xbox replacement or Nintendo or any of these like big boys, like are they gonna do anything about it? Like we saw, we read about earlier in the other article about how the film industry is already kind of doing stuff. But do you think like Xbox replacement? I think it would take like a lot of outcry. I think for them to get them to you know budge on anything. Especially Nintendo. Nintendo's very, like, thick-headed. Like, they're very, like, no matter what you tell us, like, we're going to do this kind of thing. I don't think this is, like, a moral thing for them, necessarily. Because if if they cared, they'd stop fucking doing shit, like... Well, the thing, the reason why I bring, I say it like that is because I think this is one of those things where, like, no matter where you fall on the left or the right, like, this is, like, one of those, like, unifying kind of global things where I think... For the most part, you're going to find very few people who are going to actively support Russia in this particular situation, right? I don't think... I mean, this sounds like the kind of a globally unifying kind of world event. I think it's just easy for them to jump on it. Like, jump on the opportunity. Like, easy points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brownie points. Uh Oh. Right? I think it's just an easy one for them. I was going to say, if it was like a moral thing, like... Why doesn't the NBA speak out about the Uyghurs in China type of shit, right? Right, right. Well, there's a whole LeBron thing. Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. for like uh, movie companies to say like, oh, we're pulling out of fucking Russia because they're, they're invading and shit. It's like, there's fucking Uyghurs in camps in China. Like, why don't you pull out of that shit, you know? Oh, that's you the the U-I-G-A-Y-R group, right? Yeah. I always read it as Uyghurs. You say it's Uyghurs, I say? I'm pretty sure it's Uyghurs. I always pronounce it as Uyghurs. Okay. Okay. I know what you're talking about. You might be right. I don't know. I don't know. I know what you're talking about now. I know what you're talking about. Like it's the it's like the Muslim minority group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I've I when I was on on the None of Our Business podcast earlier this week with our with our cousin Joe, we were talking about how like it's weird how everybody's this is like the galvanizing thing for everybody, but like there's been like the stuff with Israel and the stuff with like other other like suffering in the world or wars and we kind of just been like we just accepted as like oh that's just how that is like that whether it's like the middle east or like africa or something like that yeah they'll say some bullshit like oh we can't we can't interfere with their culture that's just what they do right like but then when it's like a european like 
you know, historically. I don't know, I don't know if it has anything to do with that, the, like the race angle. I think it does have to do with at least the video, the footage that we see. I think when you see people who live in similar class or lifestyle as you, like you see the town, the skylines of the cities and the towns and like neighborhoods that look like they could be like neighborhoods here. I think when you see like planes, I mean, uh, helicopters and tanks going down like suburban streets, Mm -hmm. I think that definitely hits closer to home, literally and metaphorically in a way that it kind of draw it kind of makes you feel a certain type of way as they say am i wrong am i right i get you because i have heard some news reports that are talking about like this is the civilized a civilized place that shouldn't be happening here oh yes yes the veiled like kind of like backhanded racism in a way sort of yeah but that's that's weird. I mean, to me, like bombs on any fucking country is just a no go, right? So, are you invoking? Are you invoking MLK? A threat to justice anywhere yeah, exactly. is a threat to justice everywhere. Yeah, you're not wrong, Johnny. You're not wrong. It's just interesting. I wonder. I I feel like Xbox is more likely to respond because Xbox is usually like on on it when it comes to like responding to outcry type. PlayStation maybe a couple of days behind. And then Nintendo is just not going to address it at all because they're just Nintendo. Yeah, did I mention Nintendo in the article? What it? No, it says all game development companies. So Xbox and PlayStation specifically, and I think Nintendo just implied because all. Yeah, know. Nintendo's whole marketing seems to be that way. They're just they just don't give a shit. They don't want to get. They don't involved. really respond to world stuff, really. Yeah, oh, I'm not saying that they don't give a shit, but they're right. just like if they do, they do don't you. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. gotcha. All right, John. Let's move on to some other stuff. Still, it's still Ukrainian related, but it's, we're moving further away a little bit. This is an IGN article again by Joe Scribbles. Again, the same pseudonym. Military combat simulator dev asks people not to use game to create fake Ukraine war footage. That is very much in bad taste. Eagle Dynamics. That sounds like a military company already. Eagle Dynamics, the developer behind Military Combat Simulator. Okay, it is Combat Simulator DCS World has asked people not to present gameplay as footage from the ongoing war in Ukraine. Last week, we reported on footage from video games being falsely presented as footage from Ukraine. One game involved was DCS World, a highly realistic free-to-play military combat simulator which replicates, amongst other things, real-life fighter jets and regions of the world including portions of Russia and the Crimea. In a notable example, footage from DCS World was spreading across social media purporting to show a Ukrainian fighter pilot shooting down a Russian plane before fans of the game noted the truth behind the clip. Twitter has since added contextual info to posts including the clip. Clips such as the above have now caused DCS World developer Eagle Dynamics to issue a statement on the DCS World Discord and Eagle Dynamics Twitter account, acknowledging the harm caused by misinformation and begging readers, quote, to be sensible and avoid using DCS to create videos of this nature, end quote. The developer also thanked fans for flagging misinformation involving DCS World, saying, quote, Fake news of this nature is too serious to be left alone and needs to be called out by those of you who know what to look for, end quote. Uh, alongside Eagle Dynamics, Arma 3 developer Bohemia Interactive has also acknowledged that footage from its military game has been used as misinformation and said it was helping media to fact-check videos. The invasion of Ukraine has garnered widespread calls for support and aid from the games industry, both inside and outside of Ukraine itself. 
A number of humanitarian aid organizations are currently accepting donations and support for their efforts to help Ukrainians impacted by the war. They include Save the Children, UNICEF, and Project Hope. All right, Johnny. So there's two th- takes. There's two takeaways from this story for me. One, uh, it's interesting. I like how they're introducing. I know some people get annoyed by this because I've talked to you. I think I've talked to you about this or somebody else maybe about how Twitter does have this thing now where like if you try to share a story or share something without reading it, it will tell you, hey, are you sure you want to share this? Like you haven't actually read the article. I like that because it actually makes people think. And it's like that's how that's like one way to stimmy like rumors and stuff. You have to like actually read the article and not just go off the sensationalist headline. And then two, I generally like this whole kind of um fact checking because I think fact checking is very important as a as we live in a very interwoven, integrated where news travels fast society, like worldwide, where like things go viral. It's very important to have critical thinking skills and also the ability to discern what is and is not true without having to rely on the government to tell you, but like to just do your own, not sure if research is the right term, but your own fact checking, especially using like. Why isn't research the right term? Because research, I think, is more, I use that more, that's more used for like a scientific setting where like you do studies and like, mm-hmm. like, like the scientific method kind of stuff, I think. Whoa. I mean, don't we apply the scientific scientific method? I mean, what else? What what other well, terminology not, would you use? Fact checking. Yeah, but what or, is our or, version of I, research? Homework, I guess. What well, homework would be a better term? Okay, doing doing our own homework. That works for me. Yeah, yeah. research implies like, oh, like here's my here's my theory. Rigorous. I want to test my theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's more like a process. I think homework makes more sense. Do your homework, right? So I like I like the notion of not accepting something just off the headline and just running with it. Like actually delve into it and find out is this a reliable source. Like for example, like um, the so you know how I tell you like I I volunteer right for this news organization Geek News Now right. Mm-hmm. Every now and then like in the group chat somebody's like oh like look at the story popped up and I'm like like is it a verifiable like is it a trustworthy source and I'm like oh, I don't know it just popped up and I'm just like. Well, why don't you check it out? Like, go to the source. Like, the source is usually, like, highlighted, right? Mm-hmm. We go, check the source, and then we trace it back to, like, oh, somebody said it somewhere. I'm like, okay, that's not a very, that's not trustworthy. Like, so let's not run with that because no, it's yeah, just you clickbaity can't, you stuff. You can't really trust. And also, like, in my time at university, I had to do a lot of history papers because my, you know, my degrees in history so we had to do research actual research papers mm-hmm. not the scientific kind but the historical archive kind so like we had to use internet sources we also had to go into the library and file look like thumb through like old records and find like actual hard copies of like evidence and stuff yeah so i'm very like um not trigger happy or not triggered but when people say oh here's this thing and it's like did you follow like the breadcrumbs back to where it came from? Well, even if you try to like look for the sources at the bottom, sometimes they'll say some some bullshit like. Or sometimes they're self referencing where they just refer each other in a circle. Yeah, or they'll say something like, "People familiar with their thinking." Like, what kind of sources that shit? Oh yeah, you know? yeah. You know or or our um, our not or, contact. Or they'll just have. An anonymous source, like mm-hmm. I just throw that shit away if it's an anonymous source. Or the ones that know me, like I mentioned, the circle, the ones that are like source A refers to source B, source B refers to source C, mm-hmm. source C refers back to source A, and it's like, well, which one's the original one? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that does happen sometimes. So, 
what do you think about this journey? What do you think about military? I feel like I, we've heard of this stuff happening before this, like where video well, game footage has been like mistakenly used for like something else, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I I can't refer. To I remember um. Prior. What's that game called? There's like this game where like North Korea or like Asia invades. It's kind of like Red Dawn. Do you remember that game? They invade the U.S. Like it's South Korea, South Korea, no North Korea and like China. And the game is uh, is it Homeland? Not Homefront. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you remember Homefront or no? I remember the title on it. So in Homefront two, no Homefront one. The whole premise of the game is like, like Asia like invades the U.S. Right? I like think South Asia, South Korea for sure, and, and like China, right? Mm-hmm. But there is like, you know, they use they use fake in game like news footage, but the news footage is of real people. Mm-hmm. So they may they like film like these scenes or whatever with like this guy's like oh like only the only good communist is a dead communist or whatever right mm-hmm. but like that footage looks like it could be off of like a real news channel in real life and then so people I forgot what the story was but somebody used that footage that was made specifically for the game as evidence against um what was it? it was evidence against like some kind of party in real life or something like that. Like saying mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that like the left wing or like is saying or something like that, and, or right wing. I forgot which one it was, but they use stuff from video games. So like, this isn't the first time this crap has kind of happened. What do you think about this, Johnny? What do you have any particular or just even just loosely related thoughts about uh? Because we're getting. Well, I've, I've seen some of the some of the footage, and when people bring up like, oh, it's a it's a video game. I'm like, okay, I gotta see this shit, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. I gotta see like how good, I gotta how see the jets, true. how yeah. realistic does it look? So for a gamer, I gotta look at it, and I'm like, no, that doesn't look quite right. But for somebody that's not a gamer, it looks super credible, dude. Especially when they're they're doing shots at at nighttime. Like the one I saw, it was, uh, I think it was a helicopter, and it came and it dropped the bomb, and then the you ground the just bomb, lit up, man. and then there was a on the side of the camera right there was like a gunner right and you could see the the tracers shooting the helicopter and the helicopter's just trying to evade it and it's dark like you can barely see the chopper you can see the tracers like very brightly mm-hmm. but for somebody that's not into gaming you you it could like you can really fall for that shit because you don't know gaming has advanced to that point yet exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so if you're like i don't know like 10 years behind you might be like that's not a game that looks that's real life games don't look like that you know as far as i remember right yeah did i tell you i feel like i might have told you this before but it was a story about when i um i used to rent out a room from this older couple right mm-hmm. and the 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 gentleman the the well the man that lived there right the man and his wife and so he used to watch youtube videos of airplanes mm-hmm and so if you know how the algorithm on YouTube works, sometimes like it'll suggest a recommended video or something that's like loosely related, right? So he would watch videos of airplanes flying. And then one time I caught him watching a video of uh of airplanes in GTA 5. Okay. And if you've ever played GTA 5, the planes and the lighting and all that stuff looks really really realistic. But it was like, you know when you have like the you put the camera angle where like it constantly switches angles as you fly or whatever? Mhm. It was doing that. And he was just watching the video and I was like, I don't think he knows this is a game. So I just I just Even watched with the cameras outside. The cam because the cameras kept switching angles of like the airplane. I'm like, you shouldn't be able to get that close, you know, up close footage of an airplane in mid flight, right? Yeah, and the camera's not even attached to the plane. Exactly. It was just like different angles, like if you 
it's hard to explain, but it's like and there's no turbulence on the side of the camera. It's so smooth and everything. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I asked him like, I, I called him by his name right, and I said like, you know, that's not, you know, that's like a video game, right? He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's like a video game. He's like, oh, I thought it was an actual plane. I'm like, no, it's like, well, I'm like, I tried to explain it to him where it's like, well, the camera keeps changing. And you notice how the camera stays still, even though the plane's moving, even though the camera's like above the plane's angle. What kind of plane was it? It was like one of those like Boeing looking planes in GTA five. Okay. You're not, I don't think you normally have access to them or I don't know. It must've been online. It's probably changed since then. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, like that's a real, that's not a real plane, right? He's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, like you. Because he was watching real plane videos, and then this one kind of just, like, slipped in there yeah. without him paying attention. And he's like, wow, it's like, games look so real. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. How old is he? How old is he? Mm-hmm. Like, in his late 70s. Mm, okay. But he's like, oh, I didn't know. He's like, it looks so real. I'm like, yeah, like we've come a long way. <laughs> so, this is, just, I mean, it's not funny. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I've experienced this firsthand where people mistake footage as something else because... Like, we're reaching that uncanny valley level where you look at something offhanded and you can't tell, especially with, like, blurry cameras and stuff, like, what's real and what's not real anymore. And it's scary because now it's, like, you have to be extra tech savvy and extra hyper vigilant to discern what is real and what is not real. And that's the kind of stuff that, like, people who are, like, hoax makers or scammers or whatever, like, that's, like, the perfect, like, breeding ground for them and stuff, so. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So yeah, the ghost of Kiev, as everyone's thinking. Um, not sure if he exists, but it's definitely not that zebra painted F sixteen fighter that we're seeing everywhere. So let's move on, Johnny, shall we? Johnny's nodding. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Our last, our last of the Ukraine related stories, because I know you guys are probably feeling Ukraine fatigue at this point. This story comes from Axios. EA Sports to remove Russian teams from FIFA and NHL video games. Written by Noah Garfinkel. Noah Garfinkel. He sounds like he like plays music like with the banjo or something. Garfinkel. I love that. EA Sports will remove the Russian national team and all Russian club soccer teams from its FIFA video game franchise. And remove all Russian and Belarusian hockey teams from the latest NHL video game franchise. The gaming developer announced on Wednesday. Why it matters? The sports world's rebuke of the invasion signals a swift rebuke of the Russian government. The Ukrainian government has also called on video game companies. We, already, we just read that part, right? Of note, the International High Hockey, Hockey Federation has banned Russia and Belarus from competitions. What they're saying, EA Sports stands in solidarity with the Ukrainian people and like so many voices across the world of football, calls for peace and an end to the invasion of Ukraine. The developer wrote in a statement. EA Sports wrote, the move is, quote, in line with our partners at FIFA and UEFA, the two soccer governing bodies, on Monday suspended Russia's national and club teams from all international competition. And that's it. This wasn't really an article. It was more like bullet point notes where they kind of wrote. Uh, Johnny, you neither you or I are big FIFA fans, and that's you know a given. Uh, even less NHL fans, that's also a given. How do you feel like – what do you – what do you feel about this like worldwide rejection of Russia in not just video games, not just in films, in almost every single facet of international trade and world and life? How do you do you feel like we're poking a bear? Are we pushing a bear into a corner, or do you feel like I was just thinking about that, dude? Like how how far can you push back? Because how far can you push a nation? Yeah, because we 
we don't exactly know how much they want, right? How much does Russia? How much does Russia really want? Do they just want to take Ukraine? Well, the, the or are they going to push it further? The prevailing theory is they want to put in a puppet government. Uh huh. That's the prevailing like theory. Yeah. They well, don't. They don't want to outright like take over. They want more like kind of like a soft annex of it, kind of. Yeah. Well, going off on a tangent, I heard that's part of the idea because they're not doing what other nations might do, like destroy some of their critical infrastructure. So they want to keep that all intact. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but they need an exit strategy at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can't push it's them to very the point. Costly. Yeah. It's very costly to hold a nation or to like um, – try to you know maintain a peace force and all that stuff in the long run it, it outweighs the benefits actually mm-hmm. yeah I lost, I you lost, lost your train of thought yeah you lost my train of thought oh god okay we're talking about poking the bear and like how far can you push a nation before it's... we kind of talked about this earlier today where it's like a they either completely reject western society which i highly doubt but that's like kind of like well the world has kind of turned on us and now we're the pariah yeah and so now we're just going to double down on like mm-hmm. screw you world right mm-hmm. and then the other outcome is the one that we're all hoping for is where they just have a coup or complete re- you know complete upheaval of their own government which sort of i don't know if we, we i don't know if they have that because, kind of uh, i mean although we don't we don't necessarily want what Russia's doing a coup might mean they're like less stable than they currently are it might fucking break up and then we get all these factions in it right i doubt so the the russian people are very um what's the word i'm looking for homogenous there you go homogenous they are it's not like the middle east where it was carved up into from different like different factions into like new borders and new yeah. like cities like new states russia has been homogenous since like the 1300s or earlier than that yeah, that's a really good point before they were the russians they were called the rus and before that they were like maybe like vikings or something i forget the history but like they've been a people one people for the last almost almost a thousand years so it destabilizing or falling apart into smaller russias or smaller is very 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 unlikely that i thought the thought that someone even crazier coming to power is possible and scary but also, I think that's also less unlikely because I don't know if you can get much crazier than Putin at this point. Does he need threaten the world with like, hey, like if it comes down to it, we have nuclear weapons and like a world without Russia is not a world worth living in? I think he said something like that. What exactly does that mean? I think that means like, like don't don't push me, don't push me, don't like mess around and find out kind of thing. Yeah, but it's kind of implying that if they like nuke us, then we'll fucking mutual destruction yeah i think he's saying, but it's saying that they have like, to it. fuck us over first pretty much so that doesn't really imply that that putin is crazy they're he's kind of saying they're fucking crazy no if but like to us, escalating from sanctions to like nuclear deterrence is like the the crazy part like going from sanctions to like all right now threatening the rest of the world with you know icbms or something sanctions weren't gonna do shit anyways Back to the topic at hand, Johnny. Yes. What do you feel? What do you think about? Is this like another kind of just like a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, what is it called? Like you postulate, postulate, or what's the word I'm looking for? Where you kind of like you do a meaningless gesture to kind of just uh, say you did something, 
or not uh is it postulate is that the word i'm looking for i can't remember the word sort of like pander sort of in a way but not pander pander implies you're doing something good for attention whereas this is more like hey Front we did something bluff. not bluff because they're falling through yeah it's more like not yeah, closer to pander but not pander anyway i'm trying to say i feels like this is it's not that they're trying to they're not trying to deliver a blow against the russian people mm-hmm. this feels more like hey like it's better to avoid anybody from in the future saying hey why do you guys have russian teams in the game it's kind of like damage control preemptive damage control i think in a way what do you think do you think i'm right in saying that or do you think this is like a straight like hardcore reaction i don't know about hardcore but they're alienating the russian people right you know this isn't gonna do shit to the government i wish i knew how important soccer is to russia i know hockey is very important to them nhl that stuff i don't know how important. well they did hold the world cup like a few years ago my mom, my mom went to the world cup in russia your mom too i think did too yeah so we know soccer is somewhat important i know for a fact ice hockey is very important to them so i, I know this is going to be like kind of like a morale blow for some people I'm just I'm just kind of like in the in the boat where or in the camp that says like good on you but this isn't going to do much kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly how I feel. So I don't know. I feel bad for the average Russian Joe or Schmo who's like who probably doesn't even like Putin and is just suffering as his, his expense. You know what this is? This is like the few times when I've had a class where I punished the whole class because of one student and I feel bad for the other students. Where it's like, oh, like, like, all right, guys, thanks so and so, because we're gonna be five minutes late because so and so messed up, and then sometimes they're mad at me because it's unfair. But that intent is that hopefully they'll be mad at the person, so the person feels the the peer pressure to fall in line. Sort of, where the kid could be like, I have that much power, I'm doing this shit all the time. That also happens, but usually they also become unpopular. But also, you risk the you there is a risk of blowback from the rest of the students who now view you as unfair. As a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that is a real thing in education where it's like, when is it appropriate to punish the class for the actions of an individual? And when is it not a good idea? Because if you do that too many times, the class will respect you less. And at a certain point, they no longer like are mad at the kid. They're just mad at the teacher for constantly punishing them. Yeah. And then some kids might join his cause. Well, I mean, there's no causes in the classroom, really. There's no, like, there's no mission or objective for the students, really. Well, aren't there students that want to make, that have a cause to make this teacher's life hell? Yeah, but I'm saying that's not really, like, it's not like a military operation, is what I'm saying. Not yet. (laughs) There's no coups in classes. Like, you just get a new teacher or, like, they just disband the class or something, which almost never happens, but has happened before. So, anyways, that's just my viewpoint as an educator. That's where I could, like, I'm like, this sounds a lot like when I try to punish a whole class for, like, one kid. And it's usually, like, just bad for everybody. I think it's time for some lighter news, Johnny, don't you think? This is, uh, horror. What? Horror. Let's oh, continue. horror. Yes. Pokemon's not horror. Well, I mean, you said lighter news, and it's literally fucking death. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Where, where, where's my manners? Something, some of the... Let's try to let's try to raise ourselves out of the depression. No, 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 no. What I'm saying. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Read the article. All right. This comes to us from GameStop, written by Jason Finelli. Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. I forgot about this. Usher in a new generation of Pokemon later this year. 
The Pokemon Company has announced the next generation of Pokemon games, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, and both are coming to Nintendo Switch later this year. This will be the ninth generation, or Gen 9, of the game series. The games were revealed via a teaser trailer at the end of the Pokemon Day Pokemon Presents livestream, giving glimpses into the world players will be hunting Pokemon in, as well as a quick peek at the three apparent starters from the new unnamed region. Sprigatito, Sprigatito, a grass cat, Fuecoco, a fire croc, and Quaxley, a water duckling. The trailer started with a live-action segment showing a security guard getting spooked by a strange glowing light, and then transitioned to in-game footage of the new region with lots of overhead shots of the world and wild Pokemon roaming about. The region looks like it has a variety of environments from grassy plains to villages with palm trees. The official announcement notes this new region has various towns without borders, let blend into the wilderness, so you may not have hard cuts between town transitions. It also says you'll be able to see Pokemon roaming around anywhere, including inside of towns. Fans have speculated that this new region may be inspired by Spain. Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet follow Pokemon Sword and Shield in the core Pokemon lineup of games. The most recent Pokemon game, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which I just finished a couple weeks ago, took the series to Pokemon's Pass in the Sinnoh region where, when it launched back in January 28th. The Pokemon Presents Celebrating Pokemon Day also showed off new updates for Pokemon Go, Pokemon Legends RCS, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl, and more. Alright Johnny, so I'm not expecting much input from you because you're clearly not the Pokemon guy between us. In fact, the only reference point I think you have for Pokemon is when you used to call Blastoise hemorrhoids for some reason. What was this? When we used to play Smash, and like one of the Pokeballs you could throw was Blastoise, and you're like, hemorrhoids. I'm like, no, Johnny, that's Blastoise. And you're like, hemorrhoids. I'm like, okay. Anyways, so we're finally getting Gen 9. Usually we get like a new Pokemon generation, I want to say on average every three years. And what do you mean by generation? Where they introduce an entire... Oh, new classes? New Pokemon, like, uh, or a new mainline Pokemon Every game. three years? About every three years we that's get a new one. often. Well, there was a big gap between Gen 3 and Gen 4. There was, like, I think... No. No, I'm sorry. Between Gen 4 and Gen 5, there was, like, a big gap for some reason. But, yeah, the uh, every few years... Because it, it follows the anime, the actual anime. Hmm. And it takes about three years for, like, the, the full run of the anime to get through, like, the region from the latest game. Like, through all the badges and all the stuff. Okay. And then as that show starts to wind down, that's when they release like the new stuff for the next generation. So it, the show, the games follow closely behind the anime, which is like the main like spearhead, I guess you can call it, of the shaft and everything of Pokemon. Spearhead of the shaft. Well, the spearhead of the of the spear of Pokemon. It's a bad analogy, but the point is that whatever happens in the games usually follows. No, I'm sorry. Whatever happens in the anime follows the games. So when the games come out, then the, then the next season of the anime is about that game, right? So yeah. the current season of the anime is winding down, like we're, they're almost done. So we're already having to look forward to what the next gen is to dictate what's new in the show, if that makes sense. Does it make sense, though? Like, does it is it uh, true to the show? I mean, not the character. Yeah, usually, like, the names, like, the towns, the regions, the Pokemon that appear are pretty much, like, the latest thing from the games. So, yeah, pretty much. So a lot of people have noted, like, hey, like, this season of this of the Pokemon show is, like, pretty much almost done with the previous region. Like, we're going to get a new game soon. And lo and behold, we just got the announcement of the next generation uh, 
Interesting, we're going back to colors again. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We haven't had colors since Gen 5 when it was black and white. In between, we've had like minerals and rocks and letters like Pokemon X and Pokemon Y. Um, Pokemon Ruby, Pokemon Sapphire, Pokemon Gold. Pokemon... We've had like all sorts of like polar opposites, right? There's Pokemon Sun and Moon. And now we're going back to colors, which I don't really think of Scarlet Red as the opposing color of violet like purple which is weird kind of in a way those aren't really like like on the color what do you call it like the rgb thing like those aren't really we call it opposing complementary or contrasting colors really yes. yeah so that's interesting but uh one of my friends abram he's uh he's the guy i do the star wars show with he was talking about how them going back to colors might mean like it's kind of they're kind of rebooting the whole series again in a way like trying to go in with like new mechanics and stuff, which I hope is true. But um, so, what does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like mystery and like revenge. Well, one I remember black and white. The theme of black and white was like there was two opposing Pokemon: one of truth and one of conviction. So like there, oh no, I'm sorry, one of truth, the Pokemon of truth, and the Pokemon of desire of like a. Sp- aspiration or desires like that with diamond and pearl it was a pokemon of time and a pokemon of space okay where they have it's usually the theme is like two things they like contrast with each other sun moon black white i don't see that with violet and scarlet it's just weird they're just shades of like purple in a way maybe that's the thing is it purple maybe is that like i don't know i think i'm thinking too hard about it but it's just interesting how they do that and then, like, we have, again, the starters. Every generation, we get the starters, a grass, a fire, and a water type, right? It's like your proverbial rock, paper, scissors thing. We have a grass cat, a fire crocodile, and a water duck. The fire croc is the coolest looking one. The water duck literally looks like Donald Duck from Kingdom Hearts, where he has, like, that hat. And then the grass cat, for some reason, for some weird reason, people are sexualizing the grass cat. The grass cat. Yes. I have to see this now. <laughs> Hold that thought. Oh, God. Okay. If you look it up, his name is Sprigatito. Or her name is Sprigatito. Its name is Sprigatito. And it's like a it's like a cute-looking cat. But you know what? Like, Pokemon Twitter and Pokemon, like, online. Like the, the online Pokemon co- uh, communities are very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not delinquents. Deprived? No. What's the word I'm looking for, Johnny? Where they're just kind of like... Promiscuous? No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're loyal to their partners. No, I'm looking the they're very deranged. No, that's no. They they sexualize things they don't need sexualizing. Let's say. deprived. I think is the best word I can. Or anyways, just stay away from online Pokemon communities. They're they're no good. They're no good. Uh, it doesn't look sexual at all. Exactly. Exactly. Unless you're a furry. Which tells you exactly what kind of people are into Pokemon. Not including me. Not including me. Oh, the evolutions of it. Wait. Yeah, they're getting weird with like their fan art of like what it could turn into. Oh, actually, that one looks kind of cool. I like that one. It looks like a, like a Cactus Zoro kind of. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm excited. Uh... It's been a while since Sword and Shield, which... Oh, Sword and Shield, that was the last theme, right? Sword, Shield, you know. You can tell how they go hand-in-hand, right? So, we're overdue for... We're not overdue. We're right on time. We're right on schedule for New Generation. 
I'm looking forward to it. I've been a lifelong Pokemon fan, and I don't see that like ever. I don't see that changing anytime soon. So let's move on to our last story, Johnny, shall we? And to get you off of the Pokemon stuff on your phone. Our final story comes from The Verge. This written by Cameron Faulkner. That's a cool name, Faulkner. Like like he deals with eagles. Oh yeah, that's Lope Lopunny. Okay, that Pe- makes sense. People definitely uh, sexualize low punny for some reason. Low punny? Low punny. Yeah. No, I could see the reason here. Oh, God. It's got like little... Uh... What? The palms? Yeah, the palms. It's got like... It's covering its boobies with fur, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. But also, like, I think it's the eyes and like the ears are like very playboyish. And the pose. Yeah. Is that the, no, the pose? No, the... no, that's the fan art pose. But low punny looks exactly like that, though. Like the actual design oh, of it. Oh, she's thick, too. Yeah. Low punny. Low punny. Well, I think it's La Punny. Whoa. Because it's a, it's a rabbit-themed Pokemon. That's why. That's why I call it Low Punny. I think it's La Punny? La Punny? Low Punny? Something like that. Yeah, this fan art is getting crazy. Look at this one. Oh, God. Johnny's discovered Pokemon fan art. There's, got, uh, you know what's what's funny is that it's not even the worst one. There's more po- There's other Pokemon. Like, Do you remember Jinx? Yeah, they're getting out of control. Thick chicks need... Oh, God. I'm not going <laughs> to finish that statement. Do you remember Jinx? Do you remember Jinx, Johnny? The Pokemon Jinx? Yeah. Do you remember what it looks like? Like a woman, basically. Uh-huh. Okay, so you know it gets worse with fan art. Just Are you sure you want to go down this path, Johnny? Are you going to let your curiosity lead you astray? No. Thank God. All right. Back to the topic at hand. Perfection. No, I'm not going to say the rest. Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 are This getting... is why I thought. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. You were talking about, uh, let's talk about some lighter topics. And I was like, lighter? We're going to talk about Resident Evil. I thought this was an article that was coming up. Oh, okay. Now it makes sense to me. I'm like, yeah, Pokemon's lighter, Johnny. (laughs) Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 are getting free next-gen updates later this year. There's more. Later in 2022, Capcom will release free graphical updates for its remakes of Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, alongside with Resident Evil 7. They introduce ray tracing, a higher frame rate mode. 3D audio on the PS5, Xbox Series X, Slash S, and PC. If you own copies of these games already on the PS4 or Xbox One, you'll be able to get these updates for free. On PS5, there will be a digital upgrade option, whereas Xbox offers its smart delivery feature that will automatically play the current-gen version of each game once it's available. On PC, these upgrades will simply come in an update. For PS5, Capcom is implementing DualSense support for all three games. That's cool. Complete with haptic feedback and adaptive triggers. Even without graphical updates, Capcom's recent Resident Evil titles, its remakes included, are among the most visually impressive games out there. This is a fact. They are also some of Capcom's best games yet. This is also a fact. If you're new to the series or have only played Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 7 are both good places to start but for different reasons. While their, stories ba- while their stories barely overlap, don't sweat the details too much, they each show how good Capcom is at making horror games. RE2 is a bold reimagining of Capcom's 1998 PS1 title with modern gameplay design and great atmosphere. While RE7 goes first person with a completely different kind of environment and, perhaps, an even more twisted sense of dread. As for the RE3 remake, my colleague Sam Bifford Thought it was good, but not the must-play experience that RE2 is. Next time you spot any of them available for a discount for your platform, I suggest picking them up. 
And I, along with Cameron Faulkner, who wrote the article, agree with him that definitely pick those up. These are some of the best uh, experiences from last gen. Even if you're not a big horror guy, like I'm not a big horror guy, RE2, like remake, RE7, solid titles, all over solid titles. Do you disagree, Johnny, or do you agree? No, I agree fully. RE3, probably the weakest of those three, but still really good. It's just short. It, yeah, it's just short. But also, I think Nemesis, somehow Mr. X was more scary to me than Nemesis was, in a weird way. Well, they redesigned them a whole lot. Well, there's less Nemesis than there should be, and way more. Mr. X is persistent in a way that Nemesis isn't really. Which yeah. is weird, because in the original games, Nemesis is more persistent than Mr. X is in the old games. Mm-hmm. It's weird. They, they, they switch roles for some reason. It's weird. They do more scripted stuff with Nemesis, I think that's why. Anyways, so if you guys haven't played those, make sure to get those. If you do have, if you've already played them or if you've already you already own them, I suggest not playing it yet and just hold off until you get the update so you can experience the much optimized version of those games. So that's it for today for our articles for this past week, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny, we both finished Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. We're probably not going to do a full review of it right now. No, we'll probably do it. It'll be its own thing. We might save that for next week or some point in the month, I think. I think maybe when we have like a slower day, we might do that or something. Yeah, right now I just really wanted to sink in. Uh, I'm st- I still got a few missions to do. And then we'll go uh, balls deep in it. Without going into like spoilers, do you feel like any of your thoughts of what the game was have changed from when, you first, when we first talked about it last week to now? Or do you think... Because I would tell you... The story, the way I thought the story was going to play out mm-hmm. from the first few hours, completely different than how it ended up playing out by the end. Uh, Just because sort of. they introduced different elements I did not expect, which I actually loved, but also because a certain character took a much more back role than I thought they would originally. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about silence, basically. Yeah, silence. He still shows up for sure, but I wanted more silence. Yeah, agree. Although I'm not mad because I think we did get some other like characters who filled more interesting roles, who kind of took a you know front seat uh-huh. to the story, so I appreciated it. But um, I felt after like we talked about this last time, and definitely now that I've beat the game, even on normal, I felt like a lot of the enemies are very unfair. I got there was a lot of situations where I got stun locked because there was too many enemies present, mm-hmm. where like. I barely dodge an attack only to get hit by something off screen, like right after. And I'm just like, like what? Like, that's not fair. And like, because you're trying to keep your health bar from depleting all the way when you heal, like it barely, sometimes my health bar can only barely keep up with what's going on. Yeah. Like there were situations where like, um, the human opponents or the human enemies are a lot more effective, especially when they have like the mounted weapons they carry. Oh, like the galleon gun? The galleon gun where I could just barely like health wise, keep up with it health wise. Uh huh. And, like, dodging and then getting, like, sidelined by another robot I couldn't see or something. Like, there were situations where I felt the game played best when I was just doing stealth. Okay. Because I feel like going out into just running and gunning, although you don't have a gun, but, like, going out into open conflict, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure in this game. Running and bowling. Yeah, running and bowling. <laughs> running, running and bowling. Yeah. Or sometimes, like, tackling with your mounted robot and bowling but i don't know i felt like 
I'm not saying the game's unfair because it's not. It's very forgiving with its auto saves. It's very forgiving with checkpoints and stuff like that. It's just, I think the way the combat is handled, it's not optimized for you to be dealing with a variety of creatures at the exact same time. I disagree. Really? All right. Yeah, I like more enemies on the screen. Um, I'm already playing, of course, in the hardest mode. But sometimes they, they, I don't know if they do this with the easier modes, but I've been in some absurd situations. Like I have a photo, but the photo doesn't capture as much as, as you'd want it to. Cause you know, when you go into photo mode, you can't zoom out, right? There's a certain limit to how far you can move away from Aloy. Yeah. It's very limited for the zoom out. It's like probably like 10 feet or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I was in this one spot. I had to get one of the. Uh, I had to blow up this thing. You know the flowers you hit with the stick and you had to blow it up? The something glow, fire glow, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to do that. I blew it out. And uh, there was a bush right there. And out of the box came out a... uh, This is ridiculous, dude. I have to remember like how many characters were in this. But uh, there was a Ravager that came out. The one that looks like a Sabretooth. Yeah. That fucker came out, right? I hate those so much. Okay. Only because of that annoying gun they have on their backs, but go ahead. So he came out, and I had a serious problem because I snuck to get to that point because around him were two frost claws, the bears, right? Okay. Two frost claws. I had a ravager. I had three uh, pterodactyls. You're not surviving. I had three pterodactyls. I had the uh, strider claws. Are the, the pterodactyls are the the sun wings, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the sun wings. I had three of those, and then I had uh, two striders. The ones that looked like raptors. raptors yeah. With Strider the claws. acid in back of them. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're annoying. Yeah. And you were in the lowlands then, huh? It sounds like you're in the lowlands. Oh, it was in the forest. Yeah, know. the lowlands. Uh, yeah, probably up towards yeah, the north. That's the lowlands. Okay, like near like the bulwark, right? The yes, wall yeah. around that area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably a little bit uh past that, a little more to the west, mm-hmm. and then this towards is, the forbidden west. So this is a part where I have fucking seventeen of these fuckers on me, right? And I can't zoom out. Behind me, I have two shell walkers. No, okay, now you're just making things no, up. Two shell walkers? No, but they're not in the scene. Oh. They're not in the scene. They're, they're just in the background. They're in the background, but they're a little bit too far for them to get into the action. Okay, you just see the bl- glowing lights in the distance then. Yeah, they're walking on a path. Okay. They're like on a choreographed path. Right. And then there were three... A preset path, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there were like three of the... Uh, of the antler guys, whatever. So those guys in the back, they have their own setup right there. And but Fanghorns, right? The Fanghorns, fang yes, yeah. yes. I think about it. So if I got a little bit closer towards the back, those fuckers could have joined. And I would have had like I would just start throwing had like thirteen or fourteen car- uh, enemies on screen. I would have just started throwing explosive spears at that point, dude. But you know, like one frost claw is a ridiculous fight. On they, its own. they are sturdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they take a lot of hits. Yeah, so there were separate crowds, but they were like right. If I got them too close, it was I, like it was like a Venn diagram kind of thing, right? <laughs> Where like you're like in the middle of all these intersections. Yeah, yeah. No, but there's situations that happen like that uh, pretty often, like. Uh, there was this one time I wanted to kill uh, 
uh, the the birds like the big ass bird not not the storm hawk not the storm uh hawk um the annoying ones glint hawks glint hawks i hate those so there was, a, there was a glint hawk and i overrode him and then there was another glint hawk on the side i hate those because they do that annoying thing where they take out your focus or do somebody somebody takes out my focus and it's annoying i get that annoying sound the dreadwing does that oh okay Oh, the bat! Yes, that was a cool. That was a cool. I like. The, I like that concept for that creature. He's dope. He's it's big as turns hell. invisible and yeah. yeah, it's really cool. So probably my favorite addition of like the enemies. So I have a. I had to take care of a glint hawk, and there was only two of them, right? So I said, okay, I'll just override this fucker, and it'll attack the other one, and I'm good. I'll just uh, weaken them both. So I overrode one, started attacking the other one. They both flew up in the air, and they went all around the. Uh, <laughs> They started flying on top of the mountain, right? <laughs> That's cool. But because they were flying on top of the mountain, they attracted uh, three more... Uh, Glint Hawks? No, no, no. Sun... Sun Wings. Sun Wings. So I'm going to fucking battle with five So all these birds. robot pterodactyls, basically. Yeah, yeah, dude. So I love it. I just love the scene, even though my chances are fucking low. I'm like, this is fucking great because this is a dope uh, Starts photo opportunity. snapping pictures. yeah. yeah. <laughs> And as far as the difficulty, uh, it's it's tough, dude. Uh, I'm I'm playing, and my life goes down. Like I'll have, I have my whole life, my life, and then it'll go down to like twenty percent, and yeah. I'm just like hitting, uh, hitting my meds, and it goes back and forth. And the only reason I think I was able to survive the game at such a low level, because like it tells you like what level you're supposed to be. Yeah. And when I finished the game, I think the last mission recommended is like level thirty-five, and I was like at level thirty-one, maybe thirty. And the only reason I survived the game, especially the last final boss battle, is using that Valor where you get the the potion. The mm. healing potion. It's like maxed. I have it maxed out. So like when I have no more, because like, towards the end of the game, like we're in the last section, like you are you don't have that many more like healing items. Or at least I didn't. So I had to rely on getting hit and hitting to fill up the focus little bar. So I can use like the healing potion that like, like pops out, like a little quirk and everything. Yeah. And that's what like barely kept me in the final fight long enough to actually finish the game dude what's trippy is there's always a fucking way like to defeat something but yeah i I mean like even if the odds are crazy there's always a fucking way if you come up with the with the right strategy because you gotta like scan them and Mm -hmm. figure out what what the weaknesses are yeah but for the last of me um like there was a point where i was like i could either grind out enemies or I can do the the easy thing the game gives you, which is allows you to like t- like tell you which enemies drop which specific part to upgrade your like armor. Yeah, that was tedious though. And that well, that was less tedious than just grinding enemies and doing quests for me. So I was able to upgrade like uh, you was got the the parts. Okay. Yeah, and I, I it was says create job or whatever, mm-hmm. and that would tell you like this is where you need to go for this specific part of the map. Yeah, made it so much easier than just guessing. And I was able to upgrade. Uh, I forgot what my. I think my final outfit was the one that you get towards the end. The, not the martial one, but the better martial one. The grand martial. The one with the scales? It's the, the one with like the horns on the side like this. Kind yeah, of. I got those. There's two that look similar. There's, yeah. There's the martial one, the regular one you get. Uh-huh. And then there's like the high or grand martial. Grand martial is the one. Because I, I saw like the buffs for that one. I'm like, oh, that one's cool. But like it was weaker than the one I already maxed out. The Karja, uh, whatever one I've been wearing the whole mm-hmm. game. So I'm like, this one has more potential, but it's going to take me longer to upgrade. So I put like a whole day into hunting down the parts I needed to upgrade. And like, 
that made a huge difference when it came to surviving for the rest of the game. And then, like, early in the game, I wasn't taking advantage of the coils and all that extra stuff. You're supposed to, like, the slots, the weaves and all that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the end where I'm like, let me, like, fully... Really? You didn't use the coils? To no, I always ignored them because I kept switching different weapons. And because they were used, like... I was so lazy to remove, like, the slots and replace them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was... And I never bought the food. I never bought, like... All... Yeah, I didn't get the food. The game gives you so many different tools and things you can use. But if you're not taking advantage of them, then you're kind of like handicapping yourself in a way. You are handicapping yourself, and yeah, you can definitely just choose a path and, and yeah. stick with it. You can go, you can go like full warrior and use your, your yeah. spear. Mm-hmm. You can go long range. I, I you think can go yeah. with. I mean, it's right there. You I have think, like six classes. I think what the game is trying to do. Yeah, I think it it encourages you to specialize. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't do that. I kind of just jumped around and got different things from different skill trees. Mm-hmm. But I think the game wants you to like pick a specific role or like class kind yeah. of and stick with it. And I just didn't. I just looked for like what's the coolest thing I can get from this skill tree. Like okay, moving on to the because I wouldn't try to c- complete them. I would just move on to like what's the next thing that I feel that I need. So like I got pretty much the entire like health one, the green one, the medical stuff, and then a little bit of like your spear, a little bit of your bow a little bit of your traps and like nothing from like your, your robot one. I completely ignored that one. Uh, I want to ask you how you beat your, the last boss. But before that, uh, I fought the last boss for like two hours and a half. Again. Damn. Right? Like I can see that happening. Fight. I can see that. Cause it's a long fight. It's a tough fight. dude. Yeah. About two hours and a half. I would like, I did an hour, take a break. Fuck this. You know, I gotta go yeah. paint. I got furniture to paint right now, whatever. Uh huh. Do that shit. Come back later. It adds up to about two hours and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't fucking do this right now. It's okay. like it's like seven. I go to sleep and then guess what? Oh god, first try. Yes, again. I don't know how, dude. I I use so the thing is. Over I the, really do think sleeping on it like mentally helps you. I think. Yeah, over the over the last like two hours and a half, I built my strategy and I'm like, this is gonna work. I really, I, I get this shit down and it'll work, but I couldn't do it. I did it over and over and over. And then the next day, which was uh, today, actually. Um, yeah, because you sent me, I saw the you yeah, sent yeah. Me the picture with the credits. It was today. I Same exact strategy, except I was able to make it through because I had actually had enough uh, life this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you beat him? Uh, so basically I died two times. The third time I finally figured out the pattern. Oh, I pay attention to when they do the scatter shot of the bombs, like those scatter rockets or whatever, the bombs that land in a certain order, like the, like the, the burst, the cluster grenade thing. Okay. I like paid attention to like where the blast radius was. So when they, when I saw the thing go up, I was already like rolling to the sides. Okay. Cause I figured like they target like their last position. So I started like rolling already in, in, I think for the most part, if you're in mid-roll, you have like iframes where like you're kind of like invincible mid-roll. I believe that's how the game works. I could be wrong. Yes, it appears that way. Yeah. yeah. So as long as I was in mid-roll when the explosions went off, I was like fine. Mm-hmm. The only problem is that that boss is faster than you or is able to close the distance. It's got crazy range. It's, it's able to close the distance more than any other thing you face in the game, I think. Yeah. So I was constantly low on health. Basically, I... Luckily, in my case, I had, like, my my suit mods or, like, the perks I, or whatever the skills I had where, like, if I get hit, like, my focus or valor thing fills up a lot. 
So basically, I was kind of just like taking hits. I was dealing damage. I mostly, by that point, I had all the 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 two tiers that allow you to make more ammo with less resources. Yeah, I have that. And the one that allows you to carry your... I increased my pouch size before that too. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much just relying on explosive spears and drilling spears. Mm-hmm. Just tossing explosive spears because they have a great like damage to multiple parts. Yeah. And then like... When I got when I got it down to like a certain point, I just started using the spear ones as my as my reserve, and then those do like continuous passive damage over time. Okay. While just dodge rolling, and as I took damage, like your bar fills up, and as you do damage even passively, the bar fills up also. So I kept I rely I think on the final attempt I did the health potion thing twice, and that's a passive health like you're restoring health and you take less damage. So. I think if it wasn't for that broken mechanic of the health, I think I probably wouldn't have passed it. Or I would have I would have been forced to grind more levels. Mm-hmm. But because of like my preparation of like what I had. Because I ran out of like healing items really quick. Yeah. I didn't have like, that many. I wasn't like... stocking I was like going through them throughout the game, not really towards the end, like you stopped collecting trees for wood. I stopped. Exactly, yep. And the same thing with the health items where I wasn't going out of my way to pick them up anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up paying for that mistake later on. So I was able to compensate with like the Valor surge for healing and just having like unlimited resources when it came to uh, what's the one? The bolt one you charge up, you have to like manually. It's almost a machine gun. It's almost like a machine gun, but it only shoots like five or six rounds before it runs out. You have to like reload it. Yeah. I used that for the first phase. And then like towards the end, I started just throwing spears indiscriminately and that's how i that's how I, that's honestly how i passed it yeah yeah so. so so this is this is uh this is this is like part of the reason why i love this game like you took a strategy and i took a totally different strategy right it still works out yeah so what i did for the boss is there was a tool that i used every once in a blue moon out there in the wilds right was and it like the rope thing the trip rope no no it's oh. it's a very simple thing that i that I ended up using towards the end, it became like my savior. I think I missed one of the weapons because I was looking at the, one of the achievements or the trophies, uh-huh. and it's like, oh, get all the unique. I'm like, it had 88. percent Like I must have missed a weapon somewhere because I have the one where you throw like the disc, the gauntlet thing. That's underrated. That one's cool. I have the the rope caster, the bolt caster. I still don't have that. Really? No. I have the one where That's you weird. shoot the the ropes and it dangles a little thing. Dangles a little thing. Yeah, like you shoot a canister at it, and the canister dangles from their face or their back. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay, let me just tell you about it real quick. Is that what you used? Well, this is it's. I think it's called like a rope caster. You use it, and it sh- it impales them, and it impales them with this canister canister that dangles off their body. So it's an elemental oh, canister, okay. and right. then you take like you the same shoot element. A, yeah, you yeah. shoot the canister, and it's fire, and you take your fire bow. And then you blast them, yep. yeah. So I have that. But I wasn't using that for the boss battle. For the boss battle, um, I I was losing my fucking mind because it was taking so long. And then towards the end of it... Oh, oh yeah. The, there's a there's a, a plasma. Do you, have you used that? The purple element. Yes, the yeah. purple thing. So I shot the enemy up with the plasma... Okay. And and then it it they start to like get fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. But the point of the plasma is you could take any of your weapons and then shoot shoot them, shoot them at it and it'll take like 40 points, right? Okay. But the but the amount of damage that you do to them stacks up. So when the plasma runs out, it it amplifies the damage that you did previously to it. 
Oh, okay. You know what I'm it saying? It stacks. Yes, it stacks. So I would use the little bow because the little bow, you know how 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 much ground that thing covers, right? Yeah. So I would use a little bow because it would shoot a, shoot them off like really quick. Yeah. And I was able to dodge. Well, like even if you're, the, even if you're not pulling all the way back on the on the on the bow, right? Yeah, it'll yeah. still land something. Yeah. So the thing is, it's covering so much. I can't take this long time to load up my big. I almost never use the big the big bow. Yeah. So I couldn't it use the so big bow. I yeah. every once in a while, if I was far enough. But I would take the the weapons that were like low in damage and and then just load them up, mm-hmm. load up the enemy. But sometimes they would get a little bit too close. But if they're full in their plasma, what what is a mode when they when they fill, when you fill up the circle? Yeah, what is that called? I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. It's like basically like they're in a state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were in a certain state. So the thing that saved me. I kept dying because I had to get close to it because once I, I hit him with the plasma and my my little uh, it bow, makes all your other attacks do more damage. Yes, yeah. I would hit them with the spear, but the problem with the spear is you gotta get fucking close. Yeah, and if you get close, it covers so much ground, you fucking die. Mm-hmm. Right. So the thing that saved me were the fucking smoke. Oh, I fr- I never use a smoke. <laughs> that was it. That was it, dude. I I had to get. I knew. How do I get close to this fucking enemy mm-hmm. and destroy them while they're in that state? So I'd run up to them. I hit them with the smoke. They're disoriented and they're kind of like wobbling, standing there. So smoke works on the final boss. Yes, I never works on everything. Of that. I thought I, you know what it is. I'm so used to video games where like the weeks, the like the good stuff only works on regular enemies. Because usually in most video games, like the bosses are immune to like status effects and stuff like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not. I don't generally try to like cheese with like that that kind of stuff because like, like in Final Fantasy games, like status like blindness and mute and poison don't work on bosses because they just don't. They just work on the crappy enemies. So I never thought about using smoke as an advantage at all. Even though there was moments where like I wish I could disappear somewhere, and for some reason I just never thought of the smoke. Yeah, the smoke, you wouldn't think to use it up there because there's nowhere to hide. There's no exactly. bushes. Even if you get behind cover, like, like oh, you're just still quick. in the same place after the smoke clears. Yeah, but the thing with that enemy at the end, you use the smoke and they get disoriented enough so you can close the gap and you can use your spears. And then you can take enough time to slow down, like, time, mm-hmm. concentration, yeah. and then throw the spear in their fucking weak points. I, would, I always slow down time for the spear because without slowing down, sometimes it would move out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I would slow down, and I love that satisfying throw where you see like the click when it like it hits. Yeah. Like, yes, like oh, and the spear's expensive too, so you got to slow down. Resource wise, yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> fuck. That was... I think that's my favorite addition to the game is the spears. Those are so like so clutch with like so many situations, especially like with the the big transport like style robots, like the like the what's that elephant one called again? Tremor tusk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The f- few times I faced those, or like when I had to, f- what's it the the spinosaurus looking one, the splat spring splatter, spino something, the one that looks like another T Rex, but it's not a T Rex. Has the fin on the back. Yeah, it looks like a stegosaurus and a T Rex. It looks like a spinosaurus, really. Yeah, a spinosaurus. Yeah. But like those big bosses, those big ones, the spears are like they make those fights almost like trivial, because they they have the explosive ones, like they do a lot of surrounding damage to multiple parts at a time. Mm-hmm. And then if you can nail a good like, like the uh, the the drill one, like when you fight the what's it called the tide runner, whatever the the ocean one. Oh, um, I always aim for that big giant wheel on the back. 
yeah. And if I can land one of the spinny, like the drilling spikes, like two of those will destroy the wheel completely. Yeah. So like, as long as I have resources for more spears, and you can just buy the resources too, because you need like um, one of those horn shaped parts from the creatures or whatever, like to make the spikes. You can buy that part at a, like a at a shop in the game. Mm-hmm. So as long as I had money and like shards to buy the stuff I needed, like I felt like those those spike weapons like kind of trivialized a lot of like especially when you're forced to fight the black um on the beach the black thunderjaw you remember that mm-hmm. the part we have to fight that one to get access to like the bunker or whatever wait which one is that when you're bunker? in san francisco oh yeah yeah and you're trying to get to the bunker for the ted guy or whatever yes right? Ted yeah and you well they make you fight the black thunderjaw first because it's like blocking it's like you know they can't let you win because it's out there and so I was able to just throw spears until that thing just basically died, mm-hmm. which was so much easier than fighting it in the original game where it has like the wide lasers and freaking missiles. And like, because there's so much like stuff to like buildings to hide behind, I was able to kind of like make it fight on my own terms. If that makes sense, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So, but not a game. So, kind of talked a lot about it a lot, but, uh, yeah, we weren't trying to talk about it this much. But <laughs> it's, it's the only like the, game. It's the end of the podcast. It's yeah, the only it's... game we've actually been playing this past week. So uh, that's going to change tomorrow, Johnny, because Triangle Strategy finally comes out tomorrow, which I'm super hyped about. I want to buy it digitally, but I know it's going to be $10 cheaper if I go to Walmart tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I might just do so that. So what does that game about? It's a. It's the one I told you. It's kind of like XCOM, but with like a medieval setting. It's mm-hmm. a tactical turn-based RPG. Basically, it's like Final Fantasy meets Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but with like on a grid, on a, like a on a check checkerboard kind of thing. Okay. But this is the one with the 3D environments and the 2D character sprites. Okay. So, uh, by Square Enix, and I forget who the other developer involved is, but uh, I'll, I'll have more to talk about that next week after I played it. So, I think that's it for us today, Johnny. Do you have any closing thoughts? Any last things you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I don't. Damn it. I thought today was going to be the day. No. I thought I just want to keep talking about Horizon. Really, that's all I want to do. But we got to close down this pod. We need to save something for the review. Or else we're going to have a very short review where it's like, refer to the previous episodes for our review. (laughs) No, no. Because the review, we're going to talk about everything. But it's, I mean. I want to get more into the story. story, Yeah, and the implications of what this means going forward. Yes, it's going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't played it, don't click on that review. Because it'll it'll be its own pod on it by itself. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a, an episode dedicated specifically to that game because it's rare that Johnny and I are passionate about the exact same game at the exact same time. So, mm-hmm. all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us as always. If you made it this far, we appreciate your listenership and your ears, uh, especially your ears more than any of your other senses. We appreciate them. We also uh, thank you for continuing to listen to us, even if. You did not make it all the way through this episode, but if you've listened to other episodes, or maybe you're a new listener, uh, whatever stage in life you are, or whatever stage you are in following our podcast, we are grateful to you guys. So thank you very much. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts, I'm going to put it out there. If you've played Horizon or are playing Horizon, share your thoughts with us. You can, I don't know, tell Johnny you think he's wrong about it. Maybe you want to validate what he said about it. If you've played, even if, I mean, if you only played the first game, even just tell us your thoughts about it. You can reach us at uh, DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that is DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com. All one word. You can also reach us at our less popular 
Twitter handle, which is DuoSenseP on Twitter. DuoSenseP, because I could not fit podcast in there for some reason. You can find us there. And maybe, you know, just tell us your thoughts about this game or as the series in general or where you think the next eventual game is going to take us. Let us know what you think there. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. Right, Johnny? I think that's all we got. So uh, come back next week when we talk about whatever's happened since this week. <laughs> Hopefully Johnny will have played more games by then, but I highly doubt it. I will have more stuff to talk about Triangle Strategy and another game that I actually got a review key for. What happened, Johnny? No, actually, I did play a, a little bit of a Crash. A little bit. You too had late. time for Crash? No, no, I tried it out because of the nostalgia. Okay. The, the insane trilogy, right? Yeah, it's just it's just not the same. Like it's not the the same. The same. <laughs> yeah, we love a good pun on here. We love a good pun on here. Yeah, but maybe we'll talk about it on the next part. I'll, maybe I'll give it a try too, so I can contribute because I, I you know I've never finished any of the Crash games, like one, two, or three. I've played all three of them, but I've never finished any of them. One is way too hard. One is way too hard. I think three is much more doable because I know how that game plays. I've gotten pretty far and never finished it. Two, I think, is the only one. I think two might be the only one I actually have not played. For some reason, that's like the empty kind of like blind spot for me. For Crash, at least. I don't know why I've never played two. I might have played like a level at a hospital once when I was visiting a friend when mm-hmm. I was a kid. That's about it. But yeah, I'm going to give crash try i'm also finishing up the spiral reignited trilogy right now i finished the first game last mm-hmm. month yeah i'm half i'm towards the end of the second game but the second game is really boring i think i might just skip it because i'm not liking it and the third game i know i love but i've never completed the third spiral game is really good but i just never i never owned it so i could never complete it so we'll talk about that maybe next week so thank you guys again and have a safe week and we'll see you next time peace bye